Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, handball out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Oh! Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh! kicked the goal from inside the centre. Welcome to the SC Playbook AFL podcast for another week. Proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name is Eddie Dads. Uh, I'm going to be running you through all things super coach related as usual. And uh, this is one of one of the, the busiest days we've had in terms of super coach relevant news. We've had Doherty injured, day suspended. Um, we've got terrible players on fields left, right, and center. We've got so much news to uh, news to analyze tonight. Um, but to help me out with everything as usual, I've got a couple of the two best special guests in the game. Uh, the first is Coach of Lovsky FC, overall runner-up in 2021. His name is Stevie Nico. Nico, what's news with you tonight? Hey, Eddie. Uh, not too much news, mate. Just um, you know, back into the swing of work and had a lovely weekend away camping in Corowa, uh, which was lovely, and actually managed to run into the Supercoach Bandit uh, Unbelievable. On, on my travels at uh, Campbell's Winery in Rutherglen. It's a small world, Nico. That was one of the great photos all time when that came through. I was I was losing my mind seeing that. Two of the two of the best in the Supercoach game linking up in real life. It was uh, it was unreal. Yeah, it was good fun. Very uh, very windy and a very wet uh, weekend, but it was um it was it was good fun. And joining me on the other line is uh, a man who's had the unfortunate pleasure of spending the last few hours deep in AFL tribunal happenings. Uh, he's Dylan Bolt from the Herald Sun. Dylan, uh, what's uh, what's news in your world apart from some nonsensical tribunal decisions <laughs> yeah pretty um pretty busy week or weekend um a long long weekend that's for sure um just with lots of footy stuff and and work and whatnot um but yeah i'll get away to um byron bay this week i've got mid-send break for uni so that'll be um that'll be a bit of fun mm, that sounds lovely you're not coming down to adelaide for gather round deal no no there's oh, there's not much in adelaide is there mate aren't you the uh the number one attraction <laughs> down that way <laughs> Uh, he's given us a good drive by there. I, I, I take I take umbrage with that deal. Uh, there's plenty to do down this way, um, but we got plenty to get into tonight, gents. Uh, so I want to start us off just to see how we uh, checked in, check in how we went for the round. Um, it was uh, it was a it was a very interesting round. I saw scores across the whole spectrum, really. A um, couple of 1900s in the mix from teams that are around the mark, all the way up to sort of 2250, 2300 sort of range. So lots of scores in the mix. I scraped my way to two one two three. Um, for the week, which puts me 38,000th for the round and 16,000th for the season. Um, a lot of negatives. Don't have any of the big defenders, it seems, and, and been absolutely whacked by the tribunal tonight and, and injuries today. So we'll get to that. Um, but overall, boys, I, I didn't trade at all last week. I uh, managed to hold hold fire on Doherty and Ridley. Um, probably would have kept Doherty and, and got rid of Ridley. So I'm kind of glad I didn't do that, given what's happened today. I might need to hang on to Rids for a while. Um Overall, not feeling too negative. Uh, I think, yeah, made some bad decisions, made some good decisions, and yeah, feeling okay about where we're at at the moment. Got plenty of trades left, so yeah, I need to need to pick your boys' brains with uh, with trade options tonight. Nico, uh, what what's Lovsky FC up to? Where are we Where are we sitting for the season? Yeah, well, I'm feeling quite negative, uh, Eddie. Uh, a 2,061 for me, so a little bit below par. So another slide in the ranks, out to 44k, which um, it's just killing me. I mean, there's two guys I don't have. Yeah, and that's Tim English and it's Clayton Oliver. And I think that's the reason why my rank is where it is. Yeah, those two are proving to be far and away the two most valuable players of the, the super coach season so far. If you, don't, if you don't own them, you're going to have trouble being in the top sort of five to 10,000, that's for sure. Uh, Dylan, uh, what about your side? How uh, did you go over the weekend and how are you feeling about things? Yeah, a pretty ordinary week after a better week the week before. Um, I scored. 2056 this round, um, which saw me drop to 23.5k um, in the overall rankings. But um, yeah, there's a few dockets, obviously a big issue for me, um, but I'm sure we'll touch on that later. And there's just a few primos that I guess aren't playing like primos. So, you know, Stephen Kinnear, the A, Connor Rosie, these sort of players, Rory Laird, another one. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was sort of looking over our SC Playbook League um, the other day and even a couple of the other leagues I'm in with um, a few of the sort of the bigger personalities on Twitter, not to toot my own horn, but uh, in, a, in a couple of leagues with some with some high flyers and everyone seems to be struggling a little bit. It's, it's not a, it hasn't been a clear cut start to the season. I know some in the community have had fantastic starts and, and well done to them, but it seems like a lot of the popular preseason picks 
may not have panned out quite as well as we thought we we thought they would, and it was actually a better play going with with some of the point of difference players. So, yeah, really interesting spot we're in for the season. It does make me confident that there's still a lot of movement to come because the nature of you know point of difference players is they tend to bounce up and down a bit. So, yeah, plenty of room to move. Definitely not panicking. Um, wouldn't be panicking if you're out there. You've got plenty of time to to pull things back and a big opportunity this week with a couple of big injuries. Um, boys, uh, what I've been liking to do in the opening segment of the podcast every week is uh, just give you guys a chance to to shout out a few of your, your MVPs and, and least valuable players for the week. So um, if we start with the, the most valuable super coach player for the week, for those who are tuning in for the first time, this is, uh, yeah, the, the criteria for this award is completely up to the, the eye of the beholder as to what you define as valuable. Um, I've gone with uh, one vote for Sean Darcy. He's one, two, five. That's now two really good scores in a row for, for Shrek, um, sort of repaying the faith we had in, in in him. Two votes. I've left this in there despite the incidents of tonight. Uh, Will Day with his 107 um, gets a second, gets two votes in my most, most valuable player order. Could, or he could also be in the least valuable player given the two-game suspension, but we'll get to that. And then three votes. Nick Dacos, is 100, his 151 as vice-captain on Thursday night was uh, was quite the uh, the excellent way to start a round. He, he is just so enjoyable to watch, Nico. It must blow your mind to, ha- to have him in a Collingwood uniform. Yeah, very lucky uh, to have him in our colours, and um, he's just going to be... Like he already is so good, and we're just gonna watch, you know, a decade of it. It's brilliant. It's incredible. Um, yeah, very jealous. How about your most valuable player of the week? I've given one vote to Asava Radagalia because nice. a lot like of people it. had wits out uh, quite late and had him covering, and he, and he lobbed an eighty-eight, which is you know um, a big jump in his regular scoring. So that was good for for those owners. Two to Nick Dacos. Um, Already spoken about him, and I've given three to Jordan Dawson as the uh, player of the round, even though I don't own him. Mm, God, it's getting frustrating watching him. He is—he's just running a muck back there. He's like a Sam Doherty. If Sam Doherty, Doherty could kick a, a long way and and hit every single target he play, he, he aims at. He's actually playing majority midfield, and he's just dominating as a midfielder. He, he goes, seems to go wherever he wants. I've seen him. He's playing up forward. He's he's down back. He's on the wing. Uh, he's quite a remarkable footballer. I, yeah, I'm surprised he he is quite this good, to be honest. Uh, Dylan, what about your most valuable player of the week awards? Yeah, similar sort of train of thought. I gave um, Harry Shoesel the one vote. I think he's just been, in terms of you know a first month as a, as an AFL footballer, I'm not sure that we've seen a, a better start to a career, um, especially yep. from a super coach perspective. He's just slotted in seamlessly, um, fourth consecutive turn, so he's been great. Um, Clayton Oliver, I gave two votes. He hasn't hasn't had a monster score just yet, but he's been um, super consistent with those you know, 120s, 130s, and it has been everything that we paid for um, if you picked him up at the start. And then, yeah, Jordan Dawson got the three votes. Unfortunately, I don't own him, but um, I think he was a, a big difference. You know, if you've gone... Doherty over, over Dawson, like I did, there's 100 points right there. And I guess that's a, a pretty big um, difference when it comes to rankings this early in the season. I think it's actually closer to 150 points difference between the two of them, which, yeah, is, is quite stark at this stage yeah. of the season. It yeah. re- really was almost a 50-50 call for most people. Um, yeah, in terms of least valuable player, there was there was quite a number to choose from this week. Uh, I've given poor old Ruben Jinby one vote for his 40. Um Pretty rough on the young fella, I'll admit. He's been fantastic to start the year, but yeah, didn't need that um, at that point of the weekend. Two votes, Jacob Hopper with his 75. Um, he's just leaving. He's going to leave us in a really iffy zone, I think, where it's going to be difficult to know when to cull him um, or when to keep him. So I, yeah, I'd rather just know that he's not going to work out rather than having this sort of in-between. Um, and then Sam Doherty gets my three votes for his 71. Um, and it sounds like he was probably injury affected during it. So it's a bit rough on him. But uh, yeah, as Dylan said, that that choice between Doherty, Dawson, Stewart, um, yeah, it, and Dacos even was, uh, was a tough one. And we I think we a lot of us went the wrong side of the coin. Nico, what about you? Uh, who do you want to vent about this week? Well, I've actually given one to Ruby, uh, Ruben, sorry, Jimby as well. So he tried to run with Oliver and he forgot about getting the ball himself. So uh, he's got he's got one. Rory Laird, I've given two. Nice. An- another sub-ton, just a mistake starting him over Oliver. And I've given three to Stephen Canelio. Mm, so, Nico, the bane of your existence. He's got four, you wrapped around his little finger. 40-odd at quarter time. I thought, all right, he's back. How good is this? And then he finishes with a 71. And I am sick to death of this guy. It's uh, it's proving a bit of an issue. The, the forward line, we actually don't even have the forward line and the run sheet to talk about, but um, we could spend about half an hour on that too, I reckon. Just just some really interesting stuff going on there. I have no idea who's going to be a top six forward primo. Absolutely none. Um, Dylan, what about your least valuable player award votes? 
Yeah, I gave Stephen Cornelio the one for the same reason that the Nico just touched on. Um, Liam Jones, I gave the two votes for. He's just been like a pain um, to own. The first game he was concussed early and, and didn't um, didn't run out the game. So we can sort of forgive him for that. But since then, he scored a 76, a 68, and now a 45. Just, yeah, he, he doesn't get enough of the ball. I thought he was going to be a, a bit of an intercept guy that, you know, gets 15 to 20 touches a game and, um, you know, gets a lot of points for, for his marks. But he just, like, he's playing that lockdown role and, and he does score well for the few possessions he gets. But, I mean, if you're getting six or eight touches a game, you're, you're really capping your, um, your scoring ability. So he's... One of, one of my pet peeves of the season is the fact that I can't tell between Liam Jones and Josh Bruce when oh, the Bulldogs are swinging across yeah. half back. <laughs> and yeah. it, I'm always like, oh, Liam Jones. Oh, no, it was Josh Bruce. And they're, um, both so yeah, that, they're both as bad as each other. I don't, I don't know how Bruce gets a game, but that's another that's an, another discussion point. Um, and then, yeah, Doherty, the, the three. Yeah, Doherty, um, I can't wait to talk about him. We've, uh, we'll, near, we'll get there in a second. Now, guys, you've been listening to me talk a lot about home loans over the last 12 months on the pod, and most people are probably thinking they're way off being in that position and that it's irrelevant to them. But the boys at Mortgage Choice SCW can get you a loan for pretty much anything. It doesn't have to be a house. So if Santa brushed you for a PS5 this year, or maybe the toolbox needs an upgrade and your boss is too stingy to chip in, Patty and George from Mortgage Choice SCW can make the dream a reality. And the best part, no more sacrificing your avocados for two-minute noodles because the usual $129 fee is waived if you mention SC Playbook to the boys. The loans are quick and easy with the money dropping in your pocket within days. So after a few years of COVID causing us grief, treat yourself in 2023 and shoot Pat and George a message on their Instagram handle at Pat and George Mortgage Choice to get it sorted. You can also jump into any of the articles on our website for the email, phone contact, or QR code details if that's easier. Boys, 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 let's jump straight into it. So uh, I thought about what needed to go at the top of the pod today in terms of um, in terms of what we talk about, and really there's only one option. It's it's the defence line. We've been absolutely decimated. Um, there are going to be teams floating around there like me with uh, with Doherty, Ridley, Will Day, um, just a host of underperformers. Um, meanwhile, Dawson, Sicily, Stewart, Dacos all look like absolute freaks to start the year. So Let's just start off, Dill. Uh, you've been you've been in the thick of it tonight. Can you walk us through what has actually gone on with Sam Doherty and Will Day, and, and how long we can expect them to miss? Yeah, so Doherty has a meniscus issue in his knee, um, and he's set to miss four to six weeks, which which makes him a definite trade out. Um, and in many ways, it almost makes it a little bit easier for us because there's no no tossing it up. I know that I personally was you know considering holding him even though he's using a bit of a form slump because Carlton have Sam Walsh that's, that's likely to return but um, yeah now that he's he's been ruled out for you know the best part of a month I think he's he's got to go um, and then yeah Will Day got two weeks at the tribunal um, fingers crossed that I think the Hawks will probably challenge that um, and hopefully he can get it down to to one or none but um, yeah I think I think Day's probably a hold um, whereas Doherty's a, a definite sell. Nico, first off, I want to you've you've got some very strong opinions on the Will Day tackle itself, so I want to get those. But then I want to hear if, let's let's assume that he he doesn't get the two games downgraded to one. Is Will Day worth holding for two games at this point of the season when most most teams would have thirty plus trades? I think it really just depends on what cover you've got. Uh, if you've got a Wilmot um, there, I think you probably can hold him for two weeks. So I think Day has shown that you know he's scoring really really well in the role that he's got. So no issues holding him. For a couple of weeks, um, I, I don't like the suspension. I think um, I think players' reactions to, to sling tackles is actually quite important, and no no one remonstrated with Day at all. Um, they all just got up, including the guy who got tackled. They all just jumped up and just got on with the game. So um, I don't know. It just feels like a little bit of over policing um, to me. Oh, I mean, I couldn't agree more, both as a, a biased owner of Will Day and, and someone who I think I'd, I'd usually try and be objective about these things. And I just, yeah, that, that one doesn't, I was I was okay with him getting one, thought that was probably deserved given the way we're headed, but but two just feels ridiculous to me. I mean, surely they have to challenge that. I think the, the wording, Dylan, am I right? Is it it's something they want to challenge carelessly is, is part of the, the wording? Uh, am I reading yeah. that at all correct? Yeah, yeah. And it's, I guess my gripe with it is that I look at the day tackle and I look at the Gary Rowan tackle that were pretty similar, in my opinion. They were both dangerous and, and both had that slinging motion. But how can one get two and the other get one? Um, that It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, yeah, fingers crossed that it sort of works itself out over time. Um, but at the moment, it's certainly a, uh, a talking point in the AFL world. 
Nico, there was, there was one down to a fine as well, wasn't it, for Rowan? So he didn't even get a suspension. It's it's mental. Uh, no, Rowan um, definitely has a week. He definitely got a week. Oh, does he? Yeah, he might be able to downgrade it to a fine if he challenges it. But yeah, definitely had a week. Nico, uh, I, I think you have Jordan Ridley too. We've both we've both been on the Rids train from the start. We've now got. If you're in my position, you've got three of those guys: Ridley, Doherty, and Day. For people like me, with the two sort of with with Doherty especially, Doherty is a definite trade out. But is it if you if you if you wanted to go Day or Ridley out as well, how would you prioritize those two? I just we spoke about Ridley last week. Neither of us like his role, so he, he's playing two lockdown. He's not getting up the ground. Um, his mate Redmond is actually playing the role that we want Ridley to be playing. So uh, I think it's I think he's a trade. I actually traded him last week. Um, so I, I actually brought in um, Stewart um, a little bit early and, and copped a little bit of a, a price hit um, just because I really wanted to, to bring Stewart in and have him uh, as one of my upgrades to, to get me through the buy. So, yeah, I, I don't like Ridley's role one bit. I have a big call to make. I think Mason Redmond is the most underpriced player in the competition right now. Um, he's had, in terms of scoring this season, he's had a 118, a 110, a 49 and then a 128. The 49, he gave away two 50-meter penalties and had negative points across the board. We're still getting heaps of the ball. We're still playing um, in in that role that we've we've uh, we've identified Nico as sort of the Ridley role that we were hoping for. Um, I think I think he's an absolute goer for for one of these trade-in options for at least for Doherty or or Ridley or Day even. Um, I'm big on the Mason Redmond train. Uh, Dylan, am I barking up the wrong tree there? Um, no, I, I do. I don't mind the pick. I think we flagged it on a podcast about a fortnight ago as well as a an alternative to your your sort of top line Dawson's, Doherty's, Sisley type Stewart. Um, my only concern there is is he going to be top six? It, it's still he doesn't have the track record track record that that some of the other guys do, which is my main concern there. But I mean, as you said, what we're seeing is is really positive. He seems to be a um, the main man out of, out of defence for, for the Bombers. So, yeah, I certainly don't think that's a bad shout at all. Nick, I think before last week it would have been a, a clear-cut D1, D2 sort of selection for most of us with, with Dawson and uh, and Sicily as the, as the one and two in D1. Mm-hmm. Tom Stewart was the one that was kind of floating around the markers. You know, I think we probably thought of him as a D3 kind of option. Dacos obviously right up there as well. But talk to me about that, that Dawson, Sicily, Stewart, trio i think they're going to be the, the highest traded trio this week um which of those would you choose and, and what do you like about each of them all right so before i answer that i'll just um start with tom lynch getting off at the tribunal as well which is another staggering um, piece of information that i've <laughs> just seen um so look these guys um they just score really really well um so i've brought in Stuart because of the buys. I, I really want yep. him for that for that period. Um, I think you're in agreement with that, Eddie. I am indeed, um, yeah. Now, what were the other two guys? Sorry, the Sicily. Who, Dawson and, and Sicily. Yeah, so Sicily, he's he's just intercept marking and kick-ins. They're going to be the, the bulk points that, that he's going to get. He had a terrible second half against the Cats, um, as his team did. Um, so he really struggled in the second half, and he's actually going to drop quite a bit of, of money. So he... We can sit and hold on him for a little bit longer. Um, whereas Dawson, as I said earlier, he he's playing majority mid and also getting down back and, and kicking a goal. He had 16 CBAs. He's having tackles. He's going at 96 disposal efficiency on the weekend. Like that, that is incredible, absolutely outrageous. Jesus, um, and he kicks way more than he handballs as well, which is really important in Supercoach. So the meters gained just rockets up, and he's just got the all-round game, I think, Dawson. So it sounds like you're rating Dawson sort of as D1, but you've got Stewart as the primary trading option just because of the buy. Am I rating that correctly? The buy and the break-even, I guess, yeah. Yep. Dylan, talk to me about Sicily because I think I was a little disconcerted to see him playing a fair bit on Jeremy Cameron on the weekend. Is that something we can expect to, to happen more regularly or is that just a, an outlier given the Cats' strength in their forward line? Yeah, it's a, a tricky one. that We, in the past, have played. James Blank has sort of played that key defensive role and he didn't play against Geelong on the weekend. Um, so it was really... Sicily had to play that second tall behind um, Sam Frost. But I suspect that, you know, either Blank or Dendergrand de Brass is another one who 
they'll need to start getting games into him as well. So I feel like sooner rather than later, one of those two big guys will return, which will free up Sicily. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, he's playing a good role in a rubbish team. Like he'll see plenty of ball um, this year. I still think he's a pretty good pick. What do you make of Mitch Duncan's return to the Cats lineup, Nico? And and what could that possibly do to to Tom Stewart? I mean, Duncan had 116 points on the weekend. Um, obviously, Stewart with a slightly down day. Is is that as a Stewart owner? Is that cause for concern for you? This is the the Charlie theory. Um, look, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so. Like I I watched a bit of the game and. Uh, as soon as I switched on, I, I saw you know the rain had tumbled down a little bit, and, and Stewart missed a you know an intercept mark, just just dropped a spud, and yeah, he just just didn't seem to be in the right position for where the ball was sort of falling. So um, he had a decent first half, but I was worried that you know the Hawks weren't going to really turn up, and Geelong were going to bounce back, and that, and that's what happened. And I was kind of expecting a little bit of a lower score just because of the matchup uh, in that in that situation, but I wanted to bring him in just in case he, he dropped another 150 and then he became almost too hard to get. Cat's playing West Coast this week, so I, yeah. I'm assuming they're going to have a fair bit of the ball um, through, throughout that game. So, yeah, got it. it. It's proving very tempting. I think for what it's worth, boys, I'm leaning towards using a boost this week, doing one downgrade, which we'll discuss next, uh, and then going Ridley to Redmond uh, and Doherty to Stewart is what I'm looking at currently, which would mean holding on to Will Day. Um, and playing around with loops in the back line for the next couple of weeks. Uh, not sold on it one little bit, um, but that's where we're currently leaning. We'll see how we go towards the end of the week. Uh, in order to do those sort of trades, Nico, we're going to need to make cash, which is my second big topic of today. Um, the, we're all going to need a bit of money. I, I personally have zero in the bank at the moment. I've already had to use some this season to, to play play around with things. So, yeah, cash is, a, is at a premium at the moment. So, who do we like out of the downgrade options this week, Nico? There, there really is only the one option, right? There is, and it's not even a must-have. Um, so we're talking about JVR here, Van Royen, I think we've established his name as. I don't think um, we've established anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've got him down as a maybe. I, I don't think he's I don't think he's a must-have by any stretch of the imagination. I've looked at the injury list, and Ben Brown is listed as a test. So for me... I mean, he's he's playing Brown's role at the moment. So if he's fit and ready, he didn't set the world on fire on the weekend. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little bit iffy. I'm massively iffy. I hate it. And I'm, I think I'm going to have to do it because I'm desperate for cash, but I, I don't like it one bit. Um, for what it's worth, I watched parts of the Melbourne West Coast game and love the look of Van Royen. He looks like a looks like a really, really good footballer. He, he belongs at the level. So there is some worry about guys coming back in, but to me, he almost feels like a guy you make room for. Um, yeah, maybe I'm tr- maybe I'm sort of painting things with rose-colored glasses because I want to I want to bring him in, but that's how I'm seeing things. Uh, Dylan, is there any other way we can make cash this week? Any other rookies that take your eye? Um, any other sort of guys maybe past the bubble even that, that look like they might be good buys at the moment? You no, know, I think it is pretty slim pickings at the moment, which is a little bit concerning. Um, I, you know, maybe we see someone from from Carlton come into that Doherty role. I know um, Alex Sincotta. I want to say that I might have pronounced that wrong, but he's one that's sort of been in and around, in and around the um, the place over preseason. Um, Jackson Bin's another one um, out of the Danny Nong Stingrays last year, who's a winger. Um, he's another who who could come in, but you know, at the end of the day, they've got Sam Walsh to come straight back. So it might it might just mean a, a rejig of the magnets there. Um, I'd steer clear of, of Tyler Brockman. I, I just think his role is is not great. I know he scored eighty eight or so, eighty nine in that um, in his first game, but um, I think that was very inflated. Um, and I think his his score this week is is probably a, a better reflection of, of where he's at. And then Jack Bytel is another guy that has sort of been thrown around, but um, he's out with an ankle injury, so I wouldn't be getting him either. Nico, I've got one for you. Yep. Connor Rosie to Mitch Owens. Ugh. Mitch Owens with a break-even of minus 11, averaging 98 as a forward, averaging more than Connor Rosie at the moment. Rosie averaging 99. He's uh, had an 84 on the weekend. Like don't it? Care. No? No, don't care. No, 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 no chance. Mitch Owens probably only getting inflated scores because uh, the captain's out. So um, Steele will be back in uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm sure. So, yeah, no, look, I'm, he's already gone up 113K, Mitch. I think, I think that boat's gone. 
I think even the fact that I'm even just looking at that option shows you how we're dealing this week. It's not great. The only other one that I sort of crossed my desk and I had a look at was Dylan Williams from Port, who had 64 mm. on the weekend. He's a key to he, you know he's a key position player. He doesn't yeah you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna have scores like that very regularly. I don't think he's uh yeah. and you definitely wouldn't want to go early on him. No, same with like Max um, Michaelini from from Adelaide. He's already gone up 100k, but he's got a minus 45 break even. Um, he's been superb, of- by the way. He's been great. The other one you might consider maybe with their injuries is like a Judson Clark, but he's around that 200K um, mark for the time. I owned him last year and, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, um, Tyler Young, maybe he's still cheap if you need to. I picked up Tyler, Tyler Young last week. I needed um, I needed an 102K player to get rid of Chessa, um, to upgrade Cameron to English, and I thought, oh, this bloke's playing, and he, he came out and scored more than Wilmot and Cowan, so I wish I had a field of him. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. Love that. He won't um, score very well, though. He he's, uh, doesn't have a great role. In terms of, let's assume that we, we can find a way to get Van Royen in, Nico. I think he's probably going to be the one that comes in for me. I'm, I'm per- at the moment thinking of playing some DPP um, move arounds and getting Liam Jones out to Van Royen. Um, Jones with the slightly higher bait. I think he's got a 45 break even or something. Who else, apart from Liam Jones, is reaching culling territory, Nico? Because that's the other thing. You know, apart from the Sheasels and Ashcrofts, who kind of look like they could nearly be last upgrades, um, mm. we kind of don't really have anyone that, that's getting up to that culling stage. So, yeah, if you did need to make cash, who's on who's on the chopping block? Look, I do agree that Liam Jones, with a break-even of 36, who's no guarantee to get that, can be traded uh, and used as fodder to to get the player you need uh, and that cash you need. So I don't mind that one. The others we've sort of spoken about offline is, is Davey, who's got a negative break-even. So I don't think you want to be doing that. Menzi got a break-even of six from, from Messerton. Menzi was, Menzi was great on the weekend. Yep. I know not many people would have been watching that GWS Essendon game, but uh, Menzi, was, Menzi was seriously good. Yep. He's a hold. Cowan's a hold at, at a one break-even um, unless he gets dropped. Um, yeah, the other one that, you know, I thought about, and, and as soon as the game opened up, I looked at maybe moving Cam McKenzie on from Hawthorne. He's got a break-even of 13. He's got a little bit of money in him, um, so he can go. I don't think his role's good enough, uh, especially to be an on-field um, selection for us. So his CBA numbers have, have dropped down to, like, nearly zero. Another one that I've had a slight look at is Luke Pedler with uh, his break-even of 14 um, is also one that you could look at, although I, I kind of like his role and I like the way he's playing. Dylan, if we, if we missed anyone else there, you, would, you, would you even consider like a, a Jinby type even? No, I don't think. Uh, Mateus Filippo was the one that I was sort of looking at. Um, he sort of seems to be capped at, you know, 50, 60, 70, um, and his break-even is, is slowly climbing up there. But, you know, at the end of the day, we don't have anyone... That's demanding selection as a as a rookie that we might not have started with outside of probably Van Ruin and even then he's you know we've said he's not a must have necessarily so I would be hesitant to jump off someone like a McKenzie or a Davey or a, a Philippo given that they've still got some cash to make and there's no one really coming up that is going to make bulk cash very quickly. I was pretty bullish on Bailey Humphrey coming in for the Gold Coast. Uh, he's at an elevated price. I think he's at 173 or something. Um, but, yeah, didn't really light the world on fire. It, by any means, Nico, that, that dumpster fire over in the Gold Coast is, a, is not a conducive uh, environment for, for rookies, it seems. Nico, is there any sense in sort of considering culling one of your mid-prices, like a, a Hopper or a Ridley or one of those guys or even a Warpool that hasn't quite worked out? And would you, would you move them down to someone with a low break even? Yeah, I just worry about where you're going to go in that situation. So, I mean, if you're going to go rids down, do you go to someone like a Nick Haynes who's averaging 96 and looks like he's back to his best? Or do you go to a Florent um, who can't kick 40 metres? Or do you go to... <laughs> do you go to uh, Will Day's not an option now. I mean, that, that would, have, would have been probably you know a, a decent enough play if he wasn't suspended. Um, but I think Hopper's still a hold with, with his role. It's uh, it's going to be a really tough one this week. I'm sort of hoping something miraculously appears out of nowhere and we can jump on. I was kind of keen on Jack Bytel, um, so it was a shame to see him get injured and be the sub as well. So not a lot of options going on. Um, next big topic I want to get to, Dylan, is Jared Witts, who, gee, we've just been boned with late withdrawals so far this season. It's been unbelievable. Um, can you run us through what sort of happened with him? Are we, are we looking like this is a longer-term injury or is this just a soreness? Um, yeah, talk to us about Jared Witts. Yeah, I think it's more on the on the short term rather than long term side. It was a, a back issue. I'm um, pretty sure. So he was a, a laid out and 
if you listen to what the Suns are saying, he, he's a chance to play this week, um, which is a good thing for Wits owners, um, especially when you've got guys like English who are pumping out 140s next to him. Um, so I, I suspect he'll be back sooner rather than later. Um, but it meant Ned Moyle got a crack. Um, Oakley Chargers lab that was picked up in the um, mid-season draft, not last year, but maybe the year before. Don't hold me to that. In the last couple of years. Um, and he's been dominant at VFL level, but he didn't quite look up to it. Um, I didn't think against against Draper and, and Andrew Phillips. Um, and I mean, if you can't can't do a ride against Andrew Phillips, you'll probably probably struggle with <laughs> some of the other guys. Wow. Come on, Dylan. <laughs> oh well, yeah. He sc- I think he scored okay. Super coach wise, got sixty or seventy, but um, job yeah. security's not. He went great. at he went at forty percent, which yeah. really hurt him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you can't really play Moyle and Wits in the same side and. If for whatever reason they do, um, I don't think Moyle's uh, role will be good enough to pick him anyway. So I've had a look at the Jared Witt stuff and he's a test for this week. The Gold Coast play the early game on Friday afternoon at 4.30, uh, 4.40 in Adelaide. So not a heap of time to get him right, Nico. I'd, I'd be pretty worried if I was holding on to, to Witt that he's going to miss another round. Yeah, yeah, I would be too. If you could get to English and you don't have him, maybe it's a play. But, I mean, I wouldn't be making that call right until five minutes before the ball's bounced. But what are you going to do if Wits doesn't come in and you've got to play, I don't know, who have we got as, a, as our R3? You've got Nick Madden sitting there. Like, what do you actually do in that situation? You're going to have to trade him, aren't you? Yeah, that's what I mean. You'll have a trade in the gun ready to go. Yeah. Would you be going to Grundy or English? I wouldn't be going to Grundy. Max is back in a week or two. Uh, I saw. So I think a lot of people did the did the wits to Grundy trade as soon as fi- when they found out he was out, which uh, which worked out pretty well for them given Grundy's score. Yeah, but yeah, Max seems to be a, a quick healer. So yeah, he could be back sooner rather than later. I think the Suns uh, will, in- they really want to play wits. I think their season sort of hanging hanging by a thread. Is you know as early as it is, they need to start winning games um, and the pressure certainly mounting. So I think if, even if he's at, you know, 80 or 90%, I think he'll play. It's uh, the ruck line already causing us major issues as it did last year. Nick, I'm, I'm sick of trading yeah. rucks. I really am. It's, it's unbelievable. That's, that's why I haven't touched it. Yeah, <laughs> just, just let it play. Shrek can be as yep. fat and as bad as he wants uh, as long as he's on the field <laughs> and playing. He's going well. Um, we've talked a little bit about downgrade options, but I also wanted to get a few of your thoughts on upgrade options in each of the lines. So we've already discussed a lot about the defenders, so we'll leave them alone. We'll leave the rucks alone. I think Tim English is probably our consensus pick if you're looking for upgrades. Uh, Grundy, perhaps, if you want to jump on a little short-term option. But let's have a look at the midfield and the forward line. Uh, Nico, what primos have you got your eye on in, in the midfield over the next couple of weeks? Took Miller. Um I'm pretty keen on uh, as my first upgrade in the mid. So his price may have already bottomed out. He's got a break even of 128 this week. It wouldn't surprise me if he hit that. Um, but he's kind of just about ready to be uh, to be picked there. I like him. I like to. We've spoken a lot about that Gold Coast buy as well, which yeah, for you and I, I think especially Tom Stewart and, and Tuke were, out, um, were were ones we had our eye on for the, from the preseason as uh, as good buys to have. So. Yeah, I like the look of Tuke. Um, Dylan, there's a, there's a lot of little um, cheeky little options like a Caleb Sarong floating around as well at the moment. Is, is any of those are any of those options taking your eye? Are you more looking at the guys like Tuke at 625K that are sort of bottoming out from their, from their 650, 675K prime? Yeah, absolutely. The guys that are sort of bottoming out and, and they have that scoring history behind them, I certainly wouldn't be going someone like a Sarong or a... Um, you know, Tim Kelly started okay. Mason Woods, another name that I've seen floated about. Um, Scotty Pendlebury, some of these guys. I, I just don't know that long-term their role and their scoring potentially is safe. Um, and I would much rather look at a, you know, a, a Miller or a um, Lockie Neal type, um, even as well. Darcy Parrish is another guy that, that's on the come down, hopefully. So, yeah, I'd be backing in, especially when we're tossing up, you know, look at someone like Cornelio or Rosie or, you know, Doherty and Ridley are in the same position. I think the guys that you want to be bringing in are the ones that you're absolutely sure are going to be premiums by the end of the year. I don't think there really is that many really options jumping off the page either. I think the mm. ones that do sort of jump off the page are the riskier ones like Tim Kelly at West Coast or um, Crips, maybe? Jordan Degoe. What do we Hollywood. think of Crips? I like Crips. Yep. I actually uh, wrote an article today, which is I think on the website already that I feel like he's ready to explode. 
Uh, he's been just sort of playing so-so, playing pretty like okay, uh, and still going around 110. So if he starts kicking some goals, he'll be back to those 140, 150 scores that we saw last year, I reckon. Let me throw another couple of names at you for guys that I think are, are sort of bottoming out at reaching that cheapest price that you're going to get them for a while. Um, you're going to hate this one, Nico. Lockie Neal at 619K, break even of 136. He's averaging 104. Um, are you happy you got rid of him? I don't hate it. I am happy I got rid of him. I, I've definitely, I think, won out on that one. I think he's still got a little bit of money to lose because he's, he's just been going at that, that 100 sort of flat mark. So... Yeah, I don't think he'll hit that break even. Just on Neil, is it fair to say that he hasn't hit his straps yet? He, like, take Supercoach out of it. I don't know that he's hit his straps purely from the football perspective yet. And the fact that he is no hitting, that, hitting that 100, 105 each week, to me, that's a, a positive. If, as a non-owner, the fact that he's still scoring somewhat okay. Um, yeah, I, I actually yeah, but that. Yeah, that's okay. He's historically started seasons on fire and then drifted off in the second half. So that's what worries me. Do you think that the inclusion of Dunkley and Ashcroft and I guess the more bodies that are running through there, do you think that helps his, I guess, longevity throughout the season? The fact that he's not the guy that's getting yeah, 90% CBAs every week and, and getting smashed around, he's sort of maybe only going at, you know, 10 or 20% less than that or the fact that he's spending a little bit more time forward, do you think that might help him potentially? Yeah, yeah, could do. Yeah, probably getting less opposition attention as well. Yeah, which 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 helps. He's very high on my list for what it's worth. Um, yeah, I think Lockie Neal. This is potentially as cheap as he's going to get him all season. He's the type that could go on a sort of one thirty average run at any stage. I do um, want him at some point. Absolutely. Another one that caught my eye was Andrew Brayshaw at five hundred and sixty-two k. He is coming off a, a one fourteen on the weekend break even of one two four. He's only averaging ninety four. I think we can probably put that one to one side. The other one that I'm re- I was going to say Libba. What do you reckon about Libba? I like Libba a lot, and I actually like even more one of his uh, his Bulldogs teammates, Jack McRae, uh, at 586k, break even of 119. Uh, he's averaging 102. He had 103 on the weekend. Nico, do you prefer Libba or, or McRae, you reckon? I think I prefer Libba purely on roll because um, McRae's been spending a little bit too much time forward for my liking. He has uh, that that dog's midfield just looks so much better when he's in it though. I, I don't know yeah. why they uh, Libba for what it's worth five hundred eighty three k um, one hundred and forty one in his last game, averaging one hundred and seventeen. So uh, a a very nice pick there. He's his break even seventy three. So if you want him, you're going to have to jump on soon. Um, what about the forward line, Nico? One of your Collingwood boys has potentially been one of the great uh, super coach picks to start the season. Jordan Degoe. Oh, sorry, he's a midfield. I always forget that he's. Uh, <laughs> I've done I that was about, wondering where you were going. I've done, about that, I've done that about three podcasts in a row. I can't get out of my head the fact that he was a forward last year. Scratch that, Nico. Into, if it's not Jordan Degoe, what other forward line premiums do you think are starting to bottom out? All right, I'm going to have to filter the super coach pages. I don't look at forwards, to be honest, because I've got what I consider six keepers in the forward line. So, Gee, must be nice. Mm-hmm. Well, not really. It's the only line that's doing all right, I think. But... Um, <laughs> Um, oh, you, you, you've thrown me, mate. I, I, I really don't, I really can't think of anything off the top of my head. So if Zach Butters, jump in. Zach Butters, he's at 479k, break even of 107, 89 in his last game, averaging 84. No, I don't think he's doing enough at the minute. No, nah. yeah. Dylan Moore, Dylan, um, one of your boys from Hawthorne, break even of 89, he's at 539k. He's uh, had 89 in his last game, 101 average. Yeah, I don't mind more at all. Um, I think he'll probably be anywhere from, you know, that sort of four to ten averaging forward by the end of the year. So I think he's well and truly in the um, in the frame. The, the problem with Moore is that he's at five hundred and forty grand, and I don't know that he'll um, get much higher than that. And he could certainly drop a stinker at, at some point and and drop a little bit of um, shed some cash for want of a better word. I, I think with the forwards, what I've sort of picked up on is that the ones that we picked at the start of the season have more or less been the best. Um, you know, Tim Taranto's been as frustrating as anything um, as an owner, but he's the um, third or fourth highest averaging forward. So, you know, he's there. Dunkley's still in there. Um, yeah, they're going to come good. Yeah, Errol Goulden's up and about. Um, Sheasel's playing like a, a keeper as well. Um, even Rosie and, and Cornelio, they're, not, they're still averaging 95 each um, and are in the top top 15 forward, so they're not that far off. But the, the, the only one that I guess we haven't considered, uh, well, I certainly didn't consider in the preseason that has looked really good is 
is Jeremy Cameron. Um, mm, it's going to bring him up. Yeah, yeah that's a, he's a really interesting talking point for mine because he's not that he's not relying on his you know, on kicking six or seven. I know that he has, and, and that sort of boosted his score a lot. But he's getting a heap of the ball as well, and he you know he'd be leading the Geelong best and fairest easily at the moment. I would have thought. Um, and he's sort of playing, scoring in many different ways. He's kicking the goals, but he's also getting a lot, a lot of the ball. I really want Jeremy Cameron. Um, he's looked amazing. Um, now, they've played Gold Coast Hawthorne in their last two, so not exactly the uh, the greatest of draws in, in terms of hardness and, and strength of schedule and whatnot, but he did have 149 against Carlton at the MCG, Nico. Like, mm. is this legit? Is this a thing? Can, is Jeremy Cameron a genuine primo? Yeah, look, I, I think he actually might be. He's, he's backed it up. He did it last year as well, didn't he? He wouldn't have been far off the, the top six in in the forward line. Um, the Hawks been there, you know, in the past with with a little bit of a similar role getting getting up the field. So, yeah, I, I actually quite like Jeremy Cameron's role and the, the way he goes about his footy. I think he's, um, he's really good to watch and he's a bit of a fun pick. I just enjoy. I, there's no player in the in the league that I enjoy watching more than Jeremy Cameron. He moves so beautifully. He's uh, he's an absolute cracker. Um, I almost want him just for that celebration in the granny. <laughs> it, that was pretty. That was extremely <laughs> alpha. That celebration. Uh, absolutely loved it. Um, option uh, topic five on our list, Dylan, uh, is one for you. Given I've pasted in a Herald Sun article for for you guys' research here, it's the the DPP additions. So after this round, uh, players are eligible to have another position added to them. So if they're a defender, they can add forward status. Mid status, uh, you can you can add anything at this point, um, Dylan. Who should we be keeping an eye on from a super coach perspective that that you think is going to be relevant to teams moving forward? I uh, I actually thought looking at the list that there's no one that relevant. <laughs> um, I think the actual the relevance here will be that guys like Harry Sheasel and, and Jack Zebel get defensive status, and for me that was that's the biggest sort of outcome of this is that we can take off a guy like Wilmot on field or, you know, we've got Doherty and Ridley who are sort of in the gun. You potentially can sub Sheasel or Zebel up there in a week's time and, and get in a forward or a midfielder. So that was, for me, the biggest takeaway. Um, the guys that, you know, Will Dale probably get midfield, well, he will get midfield status, but he's out suspended. Bailey Smith, um, Taylor Adams, these sorts of guys, they haven't really um, shown enough to warrant picking, I don't think. Um, and I think until they start... Turning that form around, I, don't, I just don't understand why you'd go and pick up a guy that's averaging 80 um, and has had a, a change in role when you can just pick the guys that are already there. Yeah, they, they need to have a, a role change in the reverse to yeah. get back to their, their proper scoring um, position um, for them to be relevant. I'm, I'm talking about players like you know Ben Keyes and, and McRae, who we've spoken about. Oh, I'd like to see him play... Um, I don't want to see him play 29% forward or, you know, it's highly unlikely he's going to reach that threshold anyway. So it's probably not much point talking about him, but um, Bailey Smith's probably the, the one who sort of jumped out for me if he gets forward status. But I mean, you're going to have to wait to bring him in until you see improvement. He's only averaging 83 and that's not good enough. Mm. Um couple of other slightly relevant ones. Lockie Whitfield, I could see becoming relevant at some point. Uh, he's going to add defensive status again. Don't do it. Just um, don't do it. No. Yeah. yeah. Both, of you, both of you are feverishly shaking your heads at me there. I, I sent some sort of flashbacks <laughs> coming through. Um, yeah. yeah. Bit of PTSD. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, another one that, that I saw in the article, which uh, would be it actually would be really interesting, is Jack McRae potentially adding forward status. Now, he's at 29% so far in the forward line. I think he needs 35% to, to qualify for a change of position. So it's going to have to depend a lot on what happens this round. Um, I think that would be potentially one of the biggest moves we've seen, well, that we will see this year is Jack McRae becoming a forward. Nico, he's averaging over 100. He would be an incredible POD to have in that forward line. Yeah, look, as I just said, mate, I don't think it's going to happen. I think you'd have to spend quite a bit of time in the forward line this week um, to, to reach the threshold. So I deem that as, as highly unlikely. Yep, there's, uh, we'll have to keep an eye on those over this the course of this weekend to see what's going to happen there. The last little topic I wanted to touch on with you, Nico, which was uh, I saw a couple of questions floating around on Twitter to this effect is... Um, yeah, how much you how much stock you sort of put in the idea of, of basing your strategy around your ranking, um, and by that I mean let's say let's take your team for an exa- for the exa- mm. for, as an example. I guess you're probably lower in the rankings than you would have hoped for at this stage of the season. Do you try and sort of correct the mistakes, for lack of a better word, that that you've had so far this season, and bring in you know the premiums that you've missed and the mid prices, get rid of the mid prices that haven't worked, mm. or do you just go full balls to the wall and be like? 
PODs are dictating this season so far, do I just go all out and, and try and jump on people that no one else has got? Yeah, look, it's a really interesting discussion. I think for me at the moment, I just need to wait and wait for the, the tide to turn. Um, so I can't stem the bleed of, of not having English and Oliver. I mean, I've got Sean Darcy you know, as my English and he's probably you know around 30 or 40 points every week. I'm losing there and, and Oliver and, um, and Laird is the other one. Um, I, I just need to wait and hope that that, that changes um, and that, you know, Oliver has, has a bad game like Laird has had a bad game. I, I don't think trading your way out of it necessarily works. Um, it, it probably doesn't work a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, so I, I think for me, it's just, it's just waiting for a, a bad game or two uh, from, from Oliver and, and hopefully Laird in those weeks can actually pop off and maybe a cheeky little head knock or something to, uh, to English. <laughs> <laughs> Nico, wash your mouth out. Um, Dylan, if, if Nico's the sort of traditionalist when it comes to Supercoach, uh, I suspect that you're probably, you probably lean towards more of the, the roguer side in terms of, of making trades and, and picking players sort of the, they're in that sort of sub 10% ownership. Um, where do you stand on, on that question? How hard do you think teams should be going to, to try and differentiate themselves if they're kind of behind the eight ball to start the year? Yeah, I'm with Nico, I think. I think at, at the end of the day, we've had four rounds, right? And you know, all it takes is for, you know, you look at, well, I'll, take, I'll use Dawkity, uh, <laughs> Dawson and Doherty um, as an Dorkity. example. <laughs> Dawkity was playing like a dork on the I weekend. Like that. <laughs> That's um, very good. You know, Dawson goes 170, Doherty goes 70. At the start of the season, they were literally a coin flip. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, Laird and Oliver were another one. You, you've just got to back these guys to turn it around. We're four weeks in um, and back the preseason research that you did. Um, there hasn't really been a, a top-end pick that's had a, a really bad role change that we, we weren't predicting. I don't think there's anyone that's you look at and you go, oh, I picked him and his role is rubbish. I think for the most part, it, it's there hasn't been a curveball. Um, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think we just have to back the guys to, to, to you know turn it around. Nick, I want to read a few players for you out of the KFC Supercoach AFL Team of the Week. Um, mm. Alberton Oval won the round with 2,468 points. They're sitting 24th overall. And have a look at this team and fair play to whoever's team this is because it's a cracker of a team. I love it. But I think this illustrates my point about the PODs that people have gone with to start the year. So this guy's got Nick Haynes averaging 96, had 117 on the weekend. Dane Rampey averaging 102, had 108 on the weekend. Um, Chad Warner had 137 on the weekend. He's averaging 97. Um, Sam Draper in the ruck. At 109 on the weekend, um, Josh Bruce in the forward line. I mean, this team is this team is pretty out there, and it's the 25th, 24th best team in the in the country. And as I keep saying, fair play to it. Um, I think my point being that there has to be some regression to the mean for some of these guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's no way that these type of players just keep pumping out these scores. It just doesn't happen. Especially, Otherwise, they'd just be yeah. full premiums. So yeah. many of them as well. Like that team that you just read out had you know five or six names that are point of difference players, what are the what are the odds that all six keep it up? I, I think it's pretty low. Mm. Owens is in there as well, isn't he, in his forward line? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, good on it's, him. He must be having fun. <laughs> it, that would be such a fun team to own. I'm, I'm yeah, extremely jealous. And, yeah, congratulations again to Albert and Oval. I mean, your team is a cracker. I love it. Um, yeah, very interesting topic because uh, I think I think I lean more with you guys as well, but I do feel like the general trend of the Supercoach game, based on what I see on Twitter, is very much leading towards uh, aggression being the name of the game, Nico. Yeah, yeah, I do see that as well. But if you're going to start getting a little creative, um, by all means, do it. But but do it with like a you know a, a forty sixty call or a, or a thirty seventy call. Don't go full crazy and and start picking blokes that you know you've never ever picked before and you know, when, when they fail, you're kind of like, oh, I knew they'd fail. So, yeah. Speaking of uh, getting a few crazy ideas for your Supercoach team, uh, I wanted to give boys the the SC Playbook Premium subscription package a plug. So, for $50, you get our full package. The You get access to the NRL, AFL, and BBL content on the site for the next 12 months. So, Nico, your wonderful article today is, is up on the site. Uh, you need to be a subscriber to see it. Um, that's what sort of content you get as a subscriber. But more importantly, and I think which is, this is probably the, the most money worth um, part of this, this uh, package, is access to our WhatsApp group. So, 
that has all of us in it. You, me, uh, you, me, Nico, Dylan, um, Rain Man, Charlie, all the all the squad from SC Playbook are in the WhatsApp chat. Um, we're available pretty much all hours of the day and night, to be perfectly frank with you, for, for questions and discussion and news. And uh, I absolutely love it. It's such a good community in there. All the guys are loving it. They're going really well. We're seeing some fantastic trades. Um, yeah, some guys making some really, really cool moves on the back of just talking things out in the chat. So uh, that's the the major pull for the $30 AFL subscription package, um, which I think is fantastic. You also get access to our major unlimited group prize. So $500 for the top prize is the top prize for the top ranked subscriber to knock off one of our teams. And I suspect there's going to be quite a few knocking us off this year at this rate, Nico, judging by how we're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if a non-subscriber wins, we'll split $250 each between the winner and runner-up. That group code is 345511. Go and check out all the details on the website if you, if you want to sign up. Uh, I highly recommend it. Now, boys, I want to find out what's on the agenda for, for plans this week when it comes to trades. I've already run you through what I'm thinking uh, in terms of a bit of a downgrade and then and then defensive upgrade. But Dylan, what's uh, how's your team looking and what are you thinking for this week? Um, I'm thinking I'll probably move Doherty, obviously, um, and Liam Jones on. I'll use a bit of DPP and um, it'll end up being uh, Van Ruin and uh, Dawson in, I think, if all goes to plan. Um and there's no rude selection shocks um, come Thursday night. I think that's sort of what my moves will be. Um, yeah, forced hand in, in many ways. But I think I'd rather use the, the two trades to get up to Dawson, who I know is going to be a gun, than, um, than just do a side swap from, from uh, Doherty. Any temptation to, to use a boost and do any other sort of sideways manoeuvres? Uh, I haven't given it a great deal of thought yet, to be perfectly honest with you. There is a little bit of temptation there, I guess. Um but, you know, guys like Hopper, I think, are worth holding. Setterfield's the one that you might be able to move on, potentially. I think he's arguably maxed out in price. But, I mean, who could go and have a really good game against um, against the Ds this week and, and pump out a, a 110 or a 120, and then all of a sudden he's, he's break-even, you know, still got a bit of money to make. So, um, yeah, I think uh, if all goes to plan, it'll just be the, the two trades this week for me. Yeah, I love it. Nico, where are you leaning? Yeah... My ideal scenario is moving Doherty to Dawson. Um, however, I, I need 90k to make that happen. So probably going to use two trades to do it because, as we spoke about earlier, I don't want to be going down to a, a Redmond or something like that. Um, I, I want, I really want Dawson. Um, so finding the 90k, it, it's it might be someone like a McKenzie um, down to to a Van Royen and. Um, you know, using a bit of DPP to play cogs in the midfield or something like that. So, yeah, I don't think I'll be boosting, though. I don't think there's enough um, quality rookie options to be doing that. Are you happy with your choice to move on Jordan Ridley last week? Yes. Yep, yep. I've got Tom Stewart in, and I think long-term that that's going to pay off points week, like every week. I'll be credits in the bank, I reckon, with that trade. In terms of vice captaincy and captaincy options, I think there's a there's a pretty clear vice captaincy option with Rory Laird uh, against Carlton on Thursday night. That looks pretty tasty to me. I know he hasn't had the greatest start to the season, but I really like the look of him. Um, in terms of captaincy option, though, it's going to be really tricky. Nico, where, where are you? Where's your head at with the captains this week? Yeah, tricky because I um I don't have Clayton Oliver or uh, or English, which are probably the two main guys that you'd, you'd yeah. want to VC and C. So. I do have the vice captaincy on Laird um, purely because I want that guy to repay my faith. Um, but Ed Kerno might, you know, go sit shoulder to shoulder with him for the entire game. And surely he can go to Dawson. I mean, come on. <laughs> Look, I'm going to own both those guys anyway, so it's not going to matter. <laughs> so, hopefully, um, but yeah, look, <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, I've got the C on, on Bont. Um, yep. look at the moment. I mean, he's, he's going well enough, uh, without, you know, setting the world on fire. Um, uh, but I mean, I actually quite, I quite rate the doggies, um, against Port. So I don't mind that matchup. Interesting. I like that one. Uh, yeah. I want to get your thoughts on this. A few of the gather round matchups a little later in the pod, Nico. Um, any other captaincy options we're missing? Dylan, I, I kind of like Stuart against West Coast. I think that could be a, a shout. I just... Yeah, I know it's a Charlieism, but the the stupid the stupid Mitch Duncan things in my head, so I'm a little <laughs> bit cautious about that one. Is is there anyone else you can throw my way? Um, uh, I think the one that we haven't mentioned yet, who's really hot, is Nick Dacos. Um, I thought when people made him vice captain last week, I thought there's no way that works, and 
know, he ended up being one of the best options for the round. So um, I, I think he's worth consideration. Um, play St Kilda, who he probably gets... Win Hager. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Win Hager runs with him. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, Dacosta's role is so they've heading him at every possible opportunity. I watched that game against... Um, Against the Lions. Brisbane. Yeah. And it was the lack of attention teams show to him. Is, it honestly baffles me. And I know it's, you know, we had this discussion the other days that they sort of bank on the fact that they can get him the other way. But, you know, the amount of times he just strolled through the centre of the ground and, and did what he wanted, got, mm. got one twos and, and got on the end of, of some scoring chains was like, it was ridiculous to be quite frank. It was, it really pissed me off as someone who didn't have him as, as a vice captain watching him just get so much cheap shit. Um, yeah. That set play they run, they, that set play they run out of full back when he takes the kick in, hits the forward flank, gets on his bike, gets it back, and then just bombs it like 50 metres and hits someone on a lead. Yeah. It's, uh, wh- why are teams not blocking that? There was a play where I, I reckon there were five Brisbane guys that could have put just bumper bars on him, just got in his way, made it that little bit harder for him. They just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the AFL footballer here, so I'm not going to tell him what to do. But, like, it was really frustrating as a viewer to go, just someone run into him. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, Nico, you, you're a Dacos super fan, right? Yeah, I am. I'm very wary this week, though. Uh, I wouldn't be going there. Um, thoughts on Royal Marshall against a, a ruckless Collingwood? Ooh, he would have burnt a lot of... I know he burnt Charlie on the yeah. weekend. Charlie had him <laughs> captain. Um, oh, I kind of like it, though. Yeah, I kind of like it, too. He's had a little rest, had a quarter off. Do you uh, think that Collingwood could be a trend, though? In terms you... of Collingwood's ruck? No, no, in terms of Marshall getting the flick at three-quarter time or thereabouts. <sighs> I don't know. It's just purely giving him a rest, I think, wasn't it? It wasn't Surely. more to it. Mm. Yeah. Hopefully that's all it was, and that, the fact that they were up pretty yeah. comfortably. I mean, I'd, the Collingwood are going to have to do something about their ruck. Who, who have you even got in the in the to come in, Nico? It's it's some sort of rookie who's only been there sort of four weeks, isn't it? Oh, I don't know, like Beg or something. Steen, I think it's well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think they'll just continue rolling with, with what we've got, um, to be honest. So, yeah, he should dominate. He should. Uh, now, boys, each round of the season, uh, we're going to be producing an exclusive SC playbook, playbook market of our own through Better. Um, we've extremely excited that, thanks to Better, we've now got access to integrating official AFL fantasy markets into our into our plays of the week, which is very exciting. Don't quite have Supercoach yet, Nico, but it's on its way. Don't worry. Um, this week for our SC playbook Better multi, we've got a gather round special. So we've got Crows and Port to win into Laird and Rosie, 210 plus AFL fantasy points combined. Got that at $5.70, which I quite like the look of. Anything else catch your fancy, Nico? You like the look of that one? Um, just before we, we go on, I'm going to do this again to Eddie. Sorry, mate. Um, if Witz is out, Sean Darcy is another option um, as, as a captain. I like it. Um, yeah. So I actually don't mind a couple of roughies this week. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I think the dogs could could roll port. Um, and also, I also think Adelaide could actually beat the Blues as well. I like Adelaide against the Blues as well. Yeah, they're outsiders, so maybe take both of them in one to thirty-nine and a double. My double got up last week for those who uh, played along. Oh, very good, Nico. Um, I'll tell you what I don't like this week is uh, the prospect of watching Melbourne take apart Essendon at the Adelaide Oval on Saturday afternoon. Uh, I'm kind of excited. Always so excited to see the Bombers live, um, but yeah, not too excited about the result that's going to unfold there. I think I'd be taking Melbourne 40 plus in uh, almost every market. Um, to follow along with our SC Playbook special market, you can find the link in any of our articles at scplaybook.com.au or in our YouTube description. By going through those channels, it'll let better know that we sent you. So that'd be much appreciated if you are linking up an account. It's important to remember that you win some, but you lose more. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelpline.org.au. Nico, which of the gather round matchups this week are you most excited to take a look at? Oh, you've thrown me with another question that's uh, not Do you planned. like Richmond-Sydney <laughs> Friday night? I like the look of that one. Um, Crows-Carlton should be pretty good. I, I'm looking forward to the Crows-Carlton game, absolutely. Uh, I think that's going to be a belter. Um, I think the Swans are probably just going to smash Richmond. They've you would think so. Too many injuries. Um, yeah, to be to be a, a close game, I think. Um, I don't think there's really much else. Collingwood-St. Kilda? Port Bulldogs could be good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I actually don't know how that's going to fall, that game. I think that's 
with St Kilda's form, could be a bit of a coin toss. Dylan, I'm going to subject myself to uh, GWS Hawthorne on Sunday Arvo at, at beautiful Norwood Oval. Um, what can I expect out of the Hawks? Are we are we any chance this week? Oh, dude, at halftime of that game, I thought they're actually doing it right here. They've shown a bit of fight. That they're, they're, I thought they they should have been further in front at quarter time and then far out like that third quarter was. I just can't stop. 63, it. 63 points to zero. It was cooked. It was the, the like the fourth highest. Um, for a, t- a team that's gone scoreless in a quarter compared to the opposition, it was like sixty third and nothing was the the fourth worst differential of, of all time. Also, like it was, there was some ridiculous stat that um, that Swamp put out on Twitter. It was like <laughs> I watched it and I was like legitimately in disbelief. It was like a goal after goal after. It, yeah, anyway, it blew my mind. <laughs> um, and it, it really, and if, I mean, Will Day's out as well, which just makes it even worse. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bring on Harley Reid, I say. Yeah, legitimately. Uh, it's going to be sweet, sweet relief at the end of this year for you, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, boys, I better leave it there. We've uh, we've talked about plenty of stuff tonight. Um, Nico, Dylan, thank you very much for your time, and uh, we'll see you on the SC Playbook podcast uh, next time you're on. Thanks, boys.